Welcome to the Happy Business Show featuring Therese Skelly of HappyInBusiness.com. Listen in as we pull back the curtain and share real-world stories of successful business owners just like you. You'll love the truth, honesty, and inspiration revealed in each episode. And now, Therese Skelly. Hello, this is Therese Skelly, and this is another episode of the Happy in Business Show. You know, each episode, it's going to be either me or myself and a a special chosen guest to talk to you about how you can be happier in your business. You know, actually, the name of my company is called The Happy in Business, and it's my my mission and my the, the, all the platform that I do, all the work is to have a business that you love. And so some of you know me, you've been maybe listening to me for a while, but basically my background is that in addition to being a business coach and strategist, marketing consultant, I also used to be a psychotherapist. So my little slice of the market is I help you understand that you have to look at the inner game. So in addition to doing all the tactical and all the strategic and all those things that absolutely you have to do, I go a little deeper. I'm the one that's going to basically say, hey, let's look at what's in the inside. Let's look at what is in the unconscious. Let's look at what you probably don't even know is there. So that's where the answers are very often. So this episode is called The Three Questions You Have to Answer Before You Can Raise Your Rates. So let's face it. Most of you, if you're working as a service provider, if you're selling your services, if you're a coach or consultant or speaker or trainer or anything that where you're selling your services, I'll bet you know that you should, could charge more, right? And sometimes, some of you might even be, I hate even to say this, but getting resentful that clients are allowing you to let them get your service for so little. I know in the past when I was a therapist, I had that time, that experience too, and it doesn't feel good. So the dance looks like you lower your rates to get them to say yes, and then they accept that, and then you're a little cranky. So that is not good energy. So I want to take you through this process, and we're going to talk a little bit about what gets you stuck, but there are three places that if you want to raise your rates, you have to look at. So what happens very often, though, is there's these stories out there. Like nobody's spending any money these days. Oh my gosh, the economy. You know, we kind of we kind of bump into our issues, and so that is the challenge. But you know, there's more money out there, right? You know, there's an abundance of money, and there's people all the time spending boatloads of money. Because if you were to operate from the belief that people find the money to do what they want and what they need to do, as opposed to, oh, I can't ask them to have that, you know, I can't ask that much or I shouldn't, I feel guilty selling my services. If you would actually take that stand and be super, super, super committed, you would see a difference. But see, what happens very often is most of us, when we have those money conversations or those selling conversations, we get like a kind of uncomfortable you might even tap into that part of you that doesn't feel deserving. Or, or you know, I talked to a woman today earlier in, in a coaching session, and she said, I don't know if it's okay to be godly and, and wealthy. If she really had that conflict, is, is will I still be a godly person if I want wealth and work towards wealth? Is that okay? She was carrying a bunch of old family garbage that's showing up in her business. So why is it that we devalue ourselves and undercharge? Gosh, this is a whole other show. I guess I could spend a whole show on just this topic alone. 
But basically what happens is two things. We either have hidden blocks, and that means there's something unconscious. Like I, I referenced that client situation. She was carrying her family's money story. She was carrying the family legacy of being loyal to kind of struggling in poverty and um, under-earning and suffering and just getting by. She didn't know that on a conscious level until I helped her surface that. The other thing is we might not have owned our brilliance. So what does that look like? You literally could be the most talented, the absolute best in the world in your business. But if you're not calling yourself that, if you're not stepping out, then people aren't going to find you. And you can't charge. I always say, I say, if you can't own it, you can't sell it. So if you aren't owning that you are completely brilliant or completely deserving and absolutely should be the person that they work with, it's a very hard sell. So have you ever heard this little voice in your head? It could be a couple things. It could be like, well, I can't charge that much because I haven't been in business that long. Or, yeah, but look at the economy, you know. It's, it's just not right to ask people to pay all this money. Or, God, nobody would pay my fees if I raised them. Like, I can't raise my rates because I'll lose them my clients. Like I referenced earlier, you know, my work is designed to help people, and it's kind of spiritual, so how do you charge for that? And the final one is, what will blank think if I make more money than they do? What will my husband, my wife, my partner, my father? See, those are the questions you really want to, number one, have you have you heard yourself saying that? And if you have, ding, 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 you got some blocks, right? So I want to, I want to get to the three questions about what you have to ask, but Let's just talk about this under pro, undercharging problem. So imagine, for example, I'm just going to say you're an acupuncturist. And you feel really, really, really uncomfortable moving your fees. Let's say you were charging 75 and you want to move them to $100. Now, for some, you could say, oh, my gosh, but nobody in my town charges $100. As an acupuncturist, they won't pay it. But let's flip it on its head. Instead of f- focusing on just the dollar amount and what you get, I want you to ask yourself, what, like, again, if you imagine you're an acupuncturist, what is the cost to your patient if they don't get the services with you? So let's say you're treating somebody for chronic back pain. What we know about that is that they will probably have spent a ton of money on chiropractic care, physical therapy, massage, um, you know, exercise, pain medications, all kinds of therapies to alleviate their pain. And in fact, they probably have lost a lot of money due to missed work or um, having to go to doctor's visits or all kinds of stuff. But mostly, they're also missing out on things like playing with their kids or golfing or dancing or making love or you know, being able to sit in a car for a five-hour ride to Disneyland or whatever. So to think about, instead of saying, oh, my gosh, I can't raise an, an extra 25, that, that would be bad, think about what would be worse for that person to have access now to that quality of life that if you saw them for 10 or 20 sessions, you could give them. See, when we focus on, it's just us, and we're getting more money in. I think sometimes that 
that feels, it just, it, for some it doesn't land. But if you can focus on, but what do they avoid by working with me? And I told you all the things they avoid in this case. And so let's say if this person sees you for 20 sessions. So you've added an additional $500 to your income, which is fabulous. But it only costs them an additional $500 that you would have charged to get their life back. So you want to think about, you know, what would that be worth? And, and obviously, I'm just using a metaphoric example of an acupuncturist. Put in your target market, your people, your solutions. What would it be worth to get the results? And most people say, oh, my gosh, I would pay anything for that. If You know, if you really were a patient with back pain, you would pay anything for that relief. So the first big question, ready? What would I have to believe about myself in order to charge what I'm worth? What would you have to believe? You see, most of us have some story about not being enough. And it could either be, I'll just give you a list. I'm not educated enough. I don't have enough training. I don't have enough experience. I haven't seen enough clients. I haven't done it long enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not the right gender. Um, you know, it could just go on and on and on and on. And so, so ask yourself that question. First of all, what would I have to believe? And then the flip of that is, well, what are you believing now that's keeping you stuck? See, if we have a story or a kind of a, there's like a whole, like a hole in us. And because there's this hole in us, we obsessively have to try to fill it. So the way to fill it is, oh, if I learn more, I take another seminar, if I, if I network more, if I go to another mastermind, it's like, it's like trying to fill this. It's like more, 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 more. You've seen that proverbial being a hamster on a wheel, right? That's what it's like if you come from the place of it's not enough. You know, when I work with clients, the first thing I do is I, as I say, okay, we're going to raise your rates. Let's get you some more money. We're going to raise your rates. And then we listen to what happens. Listen if they freak out. Listen if they go, oh, that's easy. Listen if they go, oh, God, you know, because usually in that resistance, that's where the magic comes from. There's something that, I don't mean magic, but I mean that's the block. That's the thing that is holding you back. I'll tell you my story. I used to be a psychotherapist, as I told you, and what was lovely about it is that I had done it long enough. I had a master's degree, but, you know, it's not the education that really provides confidence. Really, it's just doing the work. So I had by that time probably had 15 years of experience working with all kinds of patients and, you know, clients and various settings. And so I felt really masterful in the work that I did as a therapist. I felt so masterful. So if you'd call me and say, you know, I'm coming in for XYZ, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Come on in. It was lovely. I felt so confident. And then I decided in 2001 to go to light coaching school. So I moved over from being a therapist to coach. Now, really, really, that's not a huge, it's not like I went from being a therapist to a rocket scientist. You know, like really from a therapist to coach, it's just a very, it's that kind of lateral jump. You know, it's not a big, but in my mind, because I was one of those overachieving superheroes that had to prove myself, oh, goodness, you would have thought that I had just started from square one. But what's always funny is I was making myself and all my colleagues 
met. Like the people that had gone through coaching training with me were just saying, what is wrong with you? Why can you not charge more? Because out of our whole class of coach training, they would say, you're the best. Like you're, you're the, you have the most credibility. You were a therapist. You know, we all came from corporate. We used to sell software. Like you have been working with people for all these years. Why are you not charging more? And I didn't understand it. But I, I, I like, I couldn't. I was so guilty. I was horrible. I couldn't sell anything to anybody. And I felt so guilty. And so I remember just diving in and saying, okay, I'm, I'm totally sick of this. I'm not making any money. I'm totally sick of this. What is it? When will I be enough? Because I knew I had to answer that question. I knew I had to. And back in that day, I didn't really understand as much as I do about the power of belief and decision and all that. But I just knew that, God, there's there's something really wrong here. So these are the questions that I asked myself. I asked myself, number one, when will I feel as masterful? Like, what would it, what would it be? What would it take for me to be able to feel as good? And I had to ask the question, was it time coaching? You know, because I had 15 years experience as a therapist and only like a few months experience as a coach. So when I t- sat with that, I was like, no, that wouldn't really, that, that wouldn't change it. Okay, so was it if I made more money? No, that wasn't going to do it. If I, if I had more clients, if more time went by, and all these questions kept being like, no, that wasn't, no, no. And when I finally said, I will feel enough when I feel as masterful in the coaching conversation as I do in the therapy conversation, it was like, ding, 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 ding. Okay. And I really experienced it like, oh, my gosh, I know now that how I can be complete. See, if you don't answer that, what's going to happen is it's insatiable. Like there's this little crazy gremlin in your head. It's like, okay, cool, you got that great website, but you know what? You don't know how to do Facebook ads, so you suck. So you better go figure that out. Then you do that, like, yeah, but you don't, you don't have enough, you know, Twitter followers. So who are you? You know, like there's that little part in your head that goes around and around and around and around. So when I finally went, ah, that's the thing, and I made a decision. Okay, when I feel as masterful. Then I will stop apologizing and raise my rates. I will, in my mind, feel like I'm entitled and I have arrived. So what I did is I actually took the time. I said, okay, where are my skill gaps? What don't I know? Because that's a reasonable thing. Obviously, we want to we learn. And I studied those. And I remember the day. I, I could tell you the client. I she, Actually, I'm a Facebook friend with her. I found her after all these years. I remember hanging up from a, an introductory coaching call. And I went, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm there now. I feel this is masterful. But do you notice how I did it? I set the intention, right? Remember, I said, what would it take? And I knew what it would take. And then I lived into that. So then I could no longer go, but I'm not enough because. So that's just one little trick. Okay, big question number two. Got to ask this question so you can discover how to raise your rate. How can I discover the results my clients get that is a value to them. Because, you know, it's kind of arbitrary. I could charge you $50 or I could charge you $500. It's, it's just, it's meaningless unless it's connected to results. And there's all kinds of ways to quantify that. But the first thing you have to do is you just ask. Like, ah, it's like, it's, you know, one of the things I do in coaching at the end of every single session, I always say, without fail, I say, what was the most helpful part of our time together today? Two things, two reasons I do that. Number one is because I want to reinforce that what they are paying for, they're getting value from. Number two, 
they might have found something helpful that I didn't realize was helpful. I might be thinking, oh, my gosh, that thing we did in the first 10 minutes, and they're like, yeah, that was cool. But what I really liked was, you know, you always want to ask your clients about the results, about the value. So ideally, you have a process. I told you I do that every single call. And, you know, if somebody's wrapping up with you, you also want to do it. Another thing I do in the in, along the way is I put in uh, what I call like landmarks. So, you know, let's say Cindy, a client of mine, does something that's really amazing, and I'll say, stop, let's look at this. How would you have been six months ago? Could you still have done the same thing? No. Really? Why do you think you got to do it this time? Because I'm reinforcing for her the change. You know, very often change is sort of subtle, and we're like, oh, Oh, yeah, I guess I did that. You know what I mean? So I always want to highlight and feature and show, like, uh, duh. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, you've come so far. Because if it's good work, you're, it's going to be so subtle that they're not even going to really notice it. It's just going to be integrated in part of their being. So you really, really, really want to start pointing out the results. Okay? Wow. What would you have done before you started working with me? How would you have been different? You know, three months ago, would you have been able to do this? And then you get into, and now that you've done this, what else is possible? So let's say somebody says, you know, as a result of working with you, I, I, I feel a lot better about my business. Or I'm just a lot happier. It's like, okay, that's awesome. And, and as a result of feeling better, as a result of having more confidence, as a result of being happier, what else are you able to do? And then what else? And then what else? And then what else? And the more you can tie that to money, the more you can justify your rate. The more you'll feel better, the more they will understand. So, for example, you know, I, I'm a business coach. So if somebody comes to me and says, oh, my gosh, I just got a new client. And they'll say, awesome, what, what did you, what are they going to pay you? And they'll say, well, I just made $10,000. And I'll say, do you notice you only spent X with me and you already got three new clients? Look at that. You've already made, you know, five times your investment or whatever it is. You want to always be focusing on, if possible, tying it into money so you can continue to justify the value that you're bringing. And the last question is, what's the lifetime or long-term value of the work I do for a client? I love this question. I love, love, love this question. See, most of us are kind of still stuck in, okay, I'm going to charge you $2,000, and for that I'm going to give you 10 sessions over five months. Well, nobody really buys 10 sessions over five months or 2,000. Like, nobody gives a crap about it. You know what I mean? They give a crap about the results. So let's say you do have a 10,000, I'm sorry, $2,000 10 session program. And let's just say, I'm just going to call it a weight loss program. Let's say you're a health coach or a weight loss coach or something. And so somebody invests $2,000 with you and they learn to keep their weight off and they learn to feel better about themselves and they learn um, self mastery and all kinds of things. So you could say, awesome, cool, you lost 10 pounds, that's great, or 20 pounds, or you feel better, great. That's what you does. But here's what you do. Say, okay, from this place, what's possible now? So imagine yourself in five years. What will, what will have been different? If you, you continue to use these tools and continue to stay in the path and, and just continue to accelerate what is possible. What I like is if you were a web designer, let's say you develop somebody just a killer website, and 
I want you to think into what's possible over the lifetime, or at least let's shoot out three to five years, longer term. So let's say you get a really nice website. Well, let's say you pay $3,000 for that website. A really great website is a beautiful branded piece. It's, 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 it can increase visibility. And if you get more visibility, what happens? You get more money. And what else happens? You get seen. So you can take a website that was, you know, looked like your toddler designed it, and you get a really high-end website. looks fabulous. Well, now you're going to probably get invited to more parties, meaning, meaning the cool kids, the JVs, the opportunities. You're going to, they're going to want to play with you, include you, see you as more of an expert because, wow, look at that website. Sheesh, somebody goes to your website. You're getting more sign-ups. Your, your people are, you know, your list is growing. Your tribe is building. Referrals are going. You, you see, it's not just awesome. I got a great website. It's three years of having a great website with good branding and good content and good SEO. That's awesome. Are you seeing how that works? So if you get into what's the lifetime value, you kind of get past yourself. You kind of, you kind of get out of oh my gosh, can I charge that much? I don't, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. You think what's the so, so if you come to me and I teach you how to get past your money blocks and I show you how to sell your services, the lifetime value could be worth $200,000, $500,000. Why would I be worrying about charging an extra 500 bucks for a program? So that really can shift it. If you ask yourself those three questions, let me review the questions again because I, I just want you to be in them. The first one is, what would I have to believe about myself in order to charge what I'm worth? And the second one is, how can I discover the results my clients get that is of value to them? And the third one is, what's the lifetime or long time of value that I bring? Now, let me just say this. Is this just about getting more money in your pocket? No, 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 no. Of course I want that. Of course I do. But really, it's about you having a business you love. See, the more you can stand for your value, it, it's kind of a paradox, but the more you can stand for your value, the more you can do that for your client. It's like you elevate them. If you're standing in with your value, and that means saying no to the wrong people, and that means, you know, not lowering your fees and, and, and creating funnels so, you know, maybe only, maybe sometimes less people get to work with you one-on-one. But if you stand for your clients and really, really own your value, what happens is that it trickles down. Your clients get elevated because they are working with you. Because you're playing a bigger game, so they get to play a bigger game. So, here's what I want you to do. In terms of declaring your value, I want you to make the decisions and just start owning it. Notice if there's any, you, know, you won't be happy in your business. Notice what's holding you back. Notice the stories. Yeah, if you're, if you're listening to me and you're going, oh my gosh, she is so arrogant. She is just, who does she think she is? Like, honey, you got a mindset issue. Or if you're sitting here saying, okay, that's kind of cool. I want to try it. You're on the track, right? But notice what's coming up for you. If there's any resistance, if there's any judgment, if there's any fear, there's something under the surface that is holding you back. You have to Discover that. So remember, dive in. What would I be afraid of? You know, I asked you those questions in the beginning. So make sure you answer that for yourself. So I'd love to hear, you know, feel free to post comments on the blog, um, how you respond to this message. Are you, are you going to do it? you agree with it? Do you like it? 
or feel free to shoot me an email at Therese, T-H-E-R-E-S-E, at happyinbusiness.com. That gets feedback. So as always, thank you for listening to the Happy in Business program. I love having you here, and we'll be back with another episode. Peace and blessings. Bye now. You've been listening to The Happy Business Show with Therese Skelly. Join us next time and invite your friends to join us at thehappybusinessshow.com. Visit thehappybusinessshow.com and get Therese's five-part video series, Eliminating Money Blocks. Thanks for tuning in. 